Hi everyone, welcome to Training with Casey, where we explore animal training and living our best lives with animals. I'm Joseph Laughlin, producer of this podcast, and now here's your host, Casey Covert. Let's get started. Thank you, Joseph. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining me today on Training with Casey. I'm Casey Cover, your host. I'm here with my friend and colleague, Denise Samard, and we're going to talk about bits and horses. Hey, Denise, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Aloha. <laughs> Outstanding. Yeah, I can't wait to come visit you in Hawaii. And uh, yeah. So I know you have a favorite bit, and it's my favorite bit too, but you know a lot more about bits, and I'd be really interested to learn what is your favorite bit and why? My favorite bit, it is my go-to, is the French snaffle. Um, It's well-reputed as being the softest bit available okay and there's a couple of reasons for that um for those who aren't familiar with the french snaffle um, rather than having a single joint like most snaffles do it has a flat plate that separates the two mouthpieces and um, that flat plate sits across the horse's tongue and unlike an ordinary snaffle does not protrude into the upper palate. The other thing is that Single jointed snaffles have a lot of nutcracker effect on the horse's jaw. That plate that separates the two mouthpieces reduces the amount of nutcracker action on the jaw. And Mm -hmm. that is particularly important to horses of Arabian descent. Arabians, Anglo-Arabians, etc., yeah. because their jaw bones, and a lot of people don't understand this, but horses of Arabian descent have a jawbone, lower jawbone, that is higher and sharper than all of the other breeds. Hmm. And in an ordinary single-jointed snaffle, the nutcrackers down on that jaw can be rather painful. Mm-mm-mm. Not to mention that it's poking up into the upper palate. So that's my favorite go-to. Um, every horse I've had, um, most of them, with one exception, um, went in the French snaffle their entire career. Wow. I didn't need anything stronger. The other thing about the French snaffle, it's not exclusive to the French snaffle, but it is a loose ring snaffle. Okay. 
meaning that the ring is not fixed to the mouthpiece. Now, I wouldn't berate anybody for using any kind of fixed ring snaffle if there's a reason for it. But in my experience, that loose ring, and I'll get to people's objections to the loose ring in a minute. Okay. Um, um, to me, a loose ring bit feels much more alive in my hands yeah. and much more, as odd as it may sound, I actually feel more connected to the horse's mouth than I do with a fixed ring. Um, it, it's alive, it's not dead. A fixed ring feels dead in my hands because the snaffle ring naturally goes between the ring finger and the little finger. And your ring finger being the weakest finger of your hand, I can twitch these things and make that ring, uh, that loose ring kind of jangle a little bit without okay. actually putting any pressure on the horse's mouth. And um, a horse that has been schooled in this gets that little jangle on the side of their mouth and they go, oh, okay, I got to turn my head left now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or, or whatever. Um, I use my ring fingers independently. If, if I want to go left, I twitch my left ring finger. If I want to go right, I twitch my right. If I want the horse's head to lower, I do them. I don't know if anybody can see this, but... Um, I twitch them alternately mm. back and forth. And of course you can always pull them both back directly, which sort of leads us into the conversation of the half halt, but the half halt doesn't really happen through the reins. There is a rain cue there, but the half halt really comes from the rider's seat. Could you say that the the hand, yeah, you know, the finger twitch gives confirmation to the seat cue? I would buy that, yes. Yeah, kind of like a triangulation. You heard it from my seat, you heard it from my hands. You know I didn't just accidentally jiggle in the saddle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I, I think that I do something similar with marine mammals. A lot of times horses too, but differently because I'm not talking about a riding cue, but rather that little jiggle, jiggle, jiggle. Because if you're targeting at the front of a marine mammal, let's say a vet is at their flippers or their fluke taking blood. So you've got a target down there as well to keep that in one place. And then you're back at the muzzle of the animal and you kind of alternate between those two. 
in a syncopated rhythm. So it's tap, 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 tap. Or I'll say tip for the for the rear and tap for the muzzle. Tip, tap, 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 tip, 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 tap, 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 tip, 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 tap. And just having, if you have a predictable rhythm, the animal will amplify that predictable rhythm and you'll have the wave going on at the stadium. Mm-hmm. But if you keep it syncopated and unpredictable, it keeps that target connection live. It confirms for the animal that both of these targets are still active and that, you know, we're, we're talking to you through either and both of them. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said with a seat cue, it's a kind of a confirmation where the two cues work in tandem. Yes. To give another level of information. That's fascinating. So I'm checking over our notes. Oh, you had mentioned that the fixed ring bit doesn't allow you to have that level of information with the horse and it doesn't allow the sound. Yes. And you felt that that's actually significant. I think it's really significant. I don't have to pull on the horse's face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just have to do this little twitchy thing. Whisper to you. <laughs> and now, it gives you a level of granulation, you know, like a particularity of the information going to the animal that you're missing. It, it's like adding a grace note to music. Mm, excellent analogy. Yeah. I do want to say one thing. Um, about some people's. Um, some people don't like loose ring bits okay and the usual complaint is that it is the possibility of pinching the horse's Mm -hmm. lips Mm -hmm. i got news for you if that bit is pinching your horse's lips that bit isn't wide enough okay (laughs) Uh, there's other ways to address it um there are such, there is such a thing as lip guards, um, which are generally frowned upon in, in competition circles. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're not competing, you know you you could put rubber bit guards on there. I've I've used them in the past. I'm not a big fan of them, but um, <clears throat> the bottom line is to if that bit is pinching your horse's lips, you've got the wrong size bit. <laughs> So let me ask you, because I've read that when you have the bit in place, it should be set in such a way that it just slightly dimples the skin and pinches it just a little bit. Like they're telling you to have a steady state of pull, just a little bit, but a steady state of pull. Would you agree with that or what? Um, 
we're actually talking about two different things. I understand that, but the word pinch brought it to mind. Um, when I said pinching, um, I mean the horse's lip getting caught in the between like, the ring. Like kind of like, uh, yeah, pinch between the metal and the sliding metal and the other metal. Yeah. Um, there are so many um schools of thought on how many wrinkles should be the horse's lips um some say one wrinkle some say three wrinkles hmm. and i say balderdash to all of that good <laughs> Because your horse might be a one wrinkle or a zero wrinkle horse, right? It depends on where that space is on the bars. There's no set formula. Um, you got to stick your fingers in there and feel where the bars are. The bars are that gap in their teeth where the bit goes. Um, you've got to feel where those are and the bit needs to sit right in there. I don't care if it's one wrinkle or five. I've never heard of a five wrinkle horse. But <laughs> well, let's say there was one. <laughs> but just, you know, just to say. Um, and I, 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 I just... I object to these generalizations. Oh, you have to have one wrinkle or you have to have two or you have to have three. No, you've got to stick your fingers in there and find out where the bars are. And that's where the bit goes. Got and it. Regardless of how many wrinkles it leaves on their lips. Yeah, so it's the position relative to the bars, which the lips do not necessarily give you any indication of. From horse to horse, that may be different. Got it. So how much pressure would you say, like, do, would you say that it takes more pressure on the French sample because it's so gentle? Or would you say that the horse is perfectly capable of perceiving the subtle nuanced cues that you deliver? I would say that they are perfectly capable. Um, harking back to Holiday, who came to me in this big fat mouth pelum. Um, and he, over the course of time, wound up in a French snaffle and never rode in anything else. It was perfectly capable of perceiving that. I know um, with Sarah, she doesn't. She doesn't want a bit. She will be so careful, you know, to not require a bit. And then when I asked her to put her bit in her mouth, he, just because I wanted to make sure that she understood about it in case she ever had to go to a different home, something happened to me. She just looks mm -hmm. at me like, why would you make me like, what more do you want from me? <laughs> it, it embarrassed me because it's like, no, 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 I don't want anything more. I couldn't ask for a more responsive, better horse. This is on a different subject entirely. Yeah. yeah. 
So another thing I wanted to make sure we covered is that when you look at the writing aids, and, and right now we're looking at the bit, but there's kind of like a hierarchy of the writing aids. So the seat does the stop and the go and the turn, and the legs give the axis of the turn and um, you know, the direction of the side pass and things like that. And then uh -huh. what do the hands on the bits give? And what does the tremolo on the rain give? The tremolo from the ring finger. How is that? What does that cue compare to what the general rain movement cues? Um, head position. A lot of horses um, tend to lean their head to the outside of a turn. Um, in English writing, we're not fond of that sort of thing. <laughs> okay. We consider it to be off balance. Um, we would rather have the horse straight up erect and bending. Um, so I, I, I would use that cue to, okay, you, you need to turn your head left, which is a target that I taught a long, long time ago when we first started out. It, you got to know head left and head right. Got it. So you don't just... Like a lot of people teach a horse to uh, reverse uh, pressure, whatever. Like they put a little pressure when the horse gives to that pressure, then they stop the pressure. But with sats, we're different because we teach a horse without any pressure at all to go into contact, not to go away from contact. Yeah. And we teach the concepts independently of front, back, right, left, up, down, all of those things so that we can talk to each body part. You know, we could say uh, at once, okay, I need you to put your pole up, your muzzle down, and can you point your forehead 10 degrees to the left? And we could change any part of that. We could still keep them at the 10 degrees to the left and ask them to move their muzzle to the right or to the left relative to sure. their spine. Sure. Now, I do that as a matter of course because I, I usually start it for medical reasons. Is this a highly useful thing to teach to any horse that you're doing riding sports with? Absolutely. Even if they're not doing dressage? Um, okay. Um, there's, there's two styles of riding. Two-handed and one-handed. And I'm not a one-handed rider. Mm-hmm because I'm a dressage writer, I'm a two-handed writer. 
Um, some Western disciplines, particularly in the East, will use two hands. And in the West, they tend to use um, a single hand, um, which is called neck reining. Um, in all honesty, I'm not well-schooled in neck reining. Mm-hmm. Um, what I have observed um, and this is going to sound really prejudiced and maybe it is, but it seems to me that the horse's head is always bent in the wrong direction. That thing that you were saying out where the neck is going outside of the turn. Exactly. Okay. I don't get me wrong. I don't berate those people. Western horses are some of the best trained horses on the planet. Because they do more of their own job. They're less yeah. micromanaged. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that the rider is up to the same challenge. You know, in <laughs> other words, this, this is a, I grew up riding Western. And I, they, nobody would claim me now. But in Western, for example, a cutting horse, you can teach that horse where the horse just picks up that the job is to get the cattle out there, cattle out of, you know, cut that cattle out and man, they love it and they go after it. And you need to just kind of stay out of their way. Yeah. And I love that about the Western horse, but Hey, rider, you don't get to take credit for that. No. <laughs> and then in dressage and the English derived sports, the rider is supposed to be so stable and so strong and so micromanaging. Like you're telling them to where to put every little detail. And as a SATS trainer of animals in general, to me, it seems like you need to do the Eastern thing until you get to the Western thing. And you're there. You're there because you start out using all that communication to get the self-collection and then you let her do her job. Yeah. And she gets credit for mastering the job and she's a full partner and collaborator. And that is just so important. It is incredibly important because until you do that, First of all, you don't even know what you have. You're sitting on your fear. You're afraid to let go because what if the animal isn't there yet? So you never get the joy of recognizing where you've ascended to in your relationship. Mm -hmm. And you don't get the joy of advancement because you're still stuck in there. You're, you're being the training wheels for the whole life of the bike. Rather than letting the training wheels come off, and now let's go do some off-road racing or whatever it is. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I really kudos to you because you are a natural risk taker because you started making these leaps of faith before anybody around you was doing it as mm. far as you know, teaching the idea and then letting the animal execute. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I just want to add one other thing. These little brain cue things that I teach. Um, I actually do that from the ground. Mm. Way before I get in the saddle. Okay. How? Um, if you're going to put a bitted bridle on a horse, it's really not a big leap to put one arm over their neck with, let's say I'm on the near side. Um, I'm putting my, my right arm over their neck, holding that rein and going way back to the beginning of the sats, my sats process, I've already taught them head left and head right. Right. And head down. And so I can teach once once they're into the bridle. And hopefully a French snaffle. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Blue spring. Maybe not, but hopefully. Um, um, this can all be taught from the ground. You don't have to be in the saddle to teach these rain cues. Absolutely. And if you're not in the but saddle. But once you get into the saddle, they already know what these little finger twitches mean. Yeah, because once you're in the saddle, you add so many variables. So if you teach them before you get in the saddle, they get just that one little cue. You can do that little jiggle and uh, fade back and forth between the head left, head right with the rain cue, but also with a little jiggle. So they know that that's kind of like modifying the bigger rain cue. Yeah. They and already they, know it. When I get in the saddle, they already know what all this yeah, means. Yeah, brilliant. Wow. Wow. This is plenty for us to talk about right now. And I'm eager because the next one we're going to do is going to be rain cues, right? Okay. So let's just... We need to talk about bitless too, because that's a whole nother... Oh, we can do that. I would love to do that. All right. So to summarize, your favorite bit is the French snaffle mm -hmm. and the loose ring. Mm -hmm. And you feel like the fixed ring makes it dead to your touch. Yep. But the loose ring allows you to uh, tremolo your ring finger and talk to them, give them nuanced detail about yes. head movement and position that Precisely. further describes what you're telling them through the larger rain cue. Yes. And Not to mention dressage judges can't see it. <laughs> there you go. And you're also keeping the contact, you're keeping the animal's focus on the bit which allows you to be more subtle, that little tremolo. And there was there were the other features of the French snaffle, the flat plates, keep it from poking the animal in the palate and also from nutcrackering their lower jaw when the thing arches. Yeah. I love that. 
I, I suppose I should interject here. There is a bit that looks a lot like a French snaffle, but the, the middle plate is rotated hmm. so that it's poking them in the upper palate uh, 100% of the time. Uh, and that, that bit is to be avoided at all cost. Do you know the name of that bit? I don't remember the name of it. Ooh, we'll have to look it up. I'll look it up. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, gosh, that's like if you can't hold somebody's attention in the conversation, you just keep pinching them. Yeah. I mean, that's a lowest common denominator kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. And you, you told us also that the kinds of things that you can cue through your ring finger tremolo is um, the head positions left, right, and, up and down, up and down, and also mostly down, but yeah, and mo and the half halt that that with a half halt, it's just kind of like a little confirming grace note to the CQ. Yes. Yeah, I love that. And of course, Holiday was part Arab and Sarah is all Arab. And so I'm so glad to know about the difference in her jaw physiology. I wasn't aware. You can feel this. At, you have two horses at your disposal. Yeah, so an, Ara an Arabian and a Morgan. Yeah. Okay, Morgans are not of Arabian descent particularly there's a little little bit of blood in there but not much but just stick your fingers in sarah's mouth if, if she is okay with that yeah she is and, and feel that bar that they, they call that space the bar right and and feel that and it'll be higher and sharper than affairs okay I'm going to do I'll, that. I'll report back. I'll bet you a hundred bucks. <laughs> Ooh, too rich for my blood, but I'll bet you dinner when you come out to visit us again. Yeah. Okay. Hey, th this has been a great time. I, I always enjoy talking. Thank you. Likewise. Me too. All right. Till next time. Okay. Take care. Aloha. Thank you, everybody. Hey fans, are you enjoying training with Casey? Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Casey Covert on YouTube. That is youtube.com forward slash C slash Casey Covert. Also, give the podcast a like, share, and comment. Thanks for joining us. Come back for more news and views on animal training and living with animals. Stay at the top of the pack with Casey. This is Joseph Laughlin, producer of Training with Casey. See you next time.